Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everybody. Hey there. <laughs> Welcome hey. back to another episode of Boozed and Confused. I am Carol Ann. This is Matt. And I have a doozy of an episode for you today. So if you uh, drink and you want to drink along with us, now's a good time to go and get your drink. It's not true crime related. It's just a lot of shit that doesn't make you feel good. It's not a crime, but it sure is criminal. God. Okay. Well, uh, before we get into it, uh, a few housekeeping items. I'm going to keep this part really short because I have a lot of content. I'm going to try to keep this episode under an hour. So before we get into it, um, what's the first housekeeping item? We are on all of your favorite social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now YouTube. I say now as if it hasn't been like two months already. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, and if social media is not really your thing, but you still want to send us a message, you can send us an email at boostandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. Always like to hear from you guys, um, especially if you have a submission that you want to send us. Uh, just when you send it, I'll I'll email you back or Matt will email you back. It'll probably be me. Um, but just include like, you know, if we can share it on the air because we'd like to do that. If we could use your first name or if you want to keep it anonymous, that's cool. Um, let's see. Uh, next from the social media, if you like the pod, which uh, if you're joining us for not the first time, I hope you do like the pod and you don't just hate listen to us. Thumbs you- down. <laughs> Which you totally could. That's fine, too, because it's still a listen. So um, the best way that you could support us is by just following or leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it really means a lot. I always get like a little notification when we get a new review. And um, I just I really appreciate them. They're nice to read. So thank you. Uh, what? Oh, I was just say how much I like the ones that are negative. We haven't gotten, we had like a shitty YouTube comment once two months ago. So obviously, no, we don't have um, any sort of issues about criticism. <laughs> Sounds like students talking around a dinner table. Um, but uh, if you do leave us a review um, and you take a screenshot and you send it to us, we will send you some Boost and Confuse stickers for free. And um, that'll be in the mail, um, you know. Just give or take a little bit of buffer time um, because post is slow and we are slow. I think we're slower than the post we office. We are slower than the post office. And um, let's see. What's the last one? What are we drinking? What are you drinking? We are drinking the same thing. We same are thing. sharing a bottle of wine from Warner Vineyards. This was for our anniversary. We took a little day trip to Michigan and found like a tasting room in where were we? Ooh, wait. Wait, wait. It wasn't St. Joe's. No. South Haven? South Haven, maybe? South that Haven. That right. So they have this really cool little tap room. We took a bunch of wine tastings and we bought a lot of bottles. So this is the Ruby Red. Highly recommend. 
pairs well um, with a lot of corporate greed and nuance, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's a nice juxtaposition um, supporting a smaller company when talking about a massive one. Yes. Okay. So into today's episode, you know... I love some corporate shit talking. Most of my topics are either like paranormal related. I usually leave the existential dread to Matt, um, but mine are like paranormal or conspiracy. I talk a lot about like the shit that corporations do and get away with. Um, I had like an episode about the stuff Amazon doesn't want you to know that um, got a little bit big. So uh, the only thing that's different about today is we're not going to talk about like a well-recognized name like Amazon or Facebook. Today, we are going to talk about a company called Cargill. And they are quoted as being the worst company that you've probably never heard of. Um, So if you're from the Midwest and you're more in tune with agriculture at all, um, I personally am not. (laughs) Um, They might be a more well-known name in your household, but for those who aren't as familiar We'll give a little bit of a short overview. So I want to I want to paint the picture from a few different uh, strokes, broad strokes, angles, of life. Yeah, there you go. So the Wikipedia overview. I feel like they're very subjective. Objective, subjective. It depends on how you're using it. I'll let you know if you're right. Thanks. Okay. So Cargill uh, is an American privately held global food corporation based in. Minnetonka, Minnesota, and incorporated in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Founded in 1865, it is the largest privately held corporation in the United States in terms of revenue. Okay, um, they are objectively bad. Great, thank you. Uh, The Cargill overview about themselves. Our team of 155,000 professionals in 70 countries draws together the worlds of food, agriculture, nutrition, and risk management. For more than 155 years, we have helped farmers grow more, connecting them to broader markets. We are continuously developing products that give consumers just what they're seeking, advancing nutrition, food safety, and sustainability. And we help all of our partners innovate and manage risks so they can nourish the world again tomorrow. Okay. That sounds like very, that's like a very bright, optimistic view. Um, So here's the one where the worst company... (laughs) title comes from. So this is from The Mighty Earth. This is an organization and they have an entire article that you can read. I linked it in the show notes, but um, they talk about in great depth uh, all of the problems wrong with this company. So their overview, Cargill, the worst company in the world. Cargill is the United States largest privately held company, bigger even than the notorious Coke industries. Its footprint extends around the world, but the worst company in the world, we recognize this is an audacious claim. There are, alas, many companies that could vie for this dubious honor, but this report provides extensive and compelling evidence to back it up. The people who have been sickened or died from eating contaminated Cargill meat, the child laborers who grow the cocoa Cargill cells for the world's chocolate, the Midwesterners who drink water polluted by Cargill, the indigenous people displaced by vast deforestation to make way for Cargill's animal feed, and the ordinary consumers who have paid more to put food on the dinner table because of Cargill's financial mal- malfeasance. Ugh. Ugh. Great word. Uh, all have felt the impact of this uh, agribusiness giant. Their lives are worse for having come into contact with Cargill. 
In contrast, the oil and tobacco industries, for instance, the bad practices documented here are not inherent to the products Cargill sells and are, in fact, entirely avoidable. For example, perhaps Cargill's largest negative negative impact on the natural world is its role in driving the destruction of the world's last remaining intact forests and prairies. There are more than 1 billion acres of previously degraded land where crops can be grown without further imperiling native ecosystems at no additional cost. Similarly, other companies grow animal feed at large scale without the same levels of water or climate pollution. So that was a lot. We'll take a break from that. Back to our sponsors. (laughs) Cargill. (laughs) Just kidding. It's meat. (laughs) So, yeah, taking a break from that overview, obviously a lot. Again, if this topic interests you at all, if you're like, who the hell is Cargill? Go read the Mighty Earth overview. Um, It's really good like really well-sourced cited examples that is not what we are going to like encompass today this is going to be a really high overview but if you were to go to the cargill wikipedia you'd see like an outline um that talks about like the history the board of directors the countries that they operate in sponsorships that they have um criticism which includes human rights abuses land grabbing food contamination deforestation of soy palm oil cocoa uh air pollution tax evasion uh and then they finish it off with like career programs (laughs) Like a little positivity sandwich. Um, So do those criticisms sound familiar or similar uh, to something you'd hear from another large company that deals in food and agriculture? Yes. Who? Well, you see, my guess is... It's not in the notes, so... (laughs) My guesses would be Nestle. Yes. Oh! Yes. Bet. There we go. So if you want a quick idea of where Cargill supplies, um, they supply like just over a fifth of the U.S. domestic meat market. All of the eggs that are used in McDonald's restaurants pass through their plants. And a fun fact that I just learned, um, this is like the last thing I put into today's episode. One of the brands that they work with a lot is Purina, uh, the animal brand, because they're owned by Nestle. So it The turns, devil. Yes. <laughs> so it turns out um, Cargill is, I don't know, I, and some people say it's worse than Nestle, um, but it turns out they are actually like business partners a lot of the time. So kind of scummy. Scum meets scum. Um, so if you haven't heard of Cargill today or before today and you're listening and wondering like, holy shit, how have I not heard of any of this? Because Nestle uh, rightfully takes a lot of the public flack. You're definitely not alone. Um, part of the biggest difference is that It's a private company, so it flies under the radar a lot more than public companies like Nestle. Um, So last year, they like halted their public reporting of most of their like quarterly and annual financial data. Um, But in August, just a few months ago, um, they, you know, there's this like Bloomberg article that talks about the successes where Cargill basically had their like best financial year in the entire like 156 or seven years um, that the company's been around. So uh, let's see. I'll just read this from Bloomberg. The largest private U.S. company, which dominates markets such as corn, had almost $5 billion in net income during its 2021 fiscal year through the end of May. So it's like a shitload of money. It's a lot of corn as well. A lot of corn. It's a lot of corn. 
Um, if you want to know something really gross, the Cargill company, which counts 14 billionaires among its ruling circle, is owned by the heirs of William Wallace Cargill, who founded the company in the American Midwest. So they founded the company like right after the Civil War. It's been around forever. Um, it's just probably gotten a lot worse in the last 50 years, I think. Um, if you want to know a really gross number, so the Waltons, who are like often talked about when you hear from like like Senator Bernie Sanders, who talks about like the Walton family. They're the richest family in the U.S. So they have a net worth of almost $250 billion. Um, this is the family who owns Walmart. So in comparison, the Cargill Mac, uh, McMallon family uh, comes in at fourth with a fortune of more than $47 billion. Oh my gosh. And uh, none of us will ever know that kind of money. Unless, unless Beth Jezos is listening to this podcast or Milan Smusk. Uh, but yeah, so you would think like fourth richest family, you would know about them, but you don't because it's a private company. All right. That was a lot of backstory. So we talked about who they are, who's involved, a lot of the money. But like what? Well, like, can they really be that bad? Like, what did they do to deserve a... Uh, uh, an episode of our very little indie podcast. <laughs> There's a lot. So like I kind of mentioned, I'm, I'm going to just caveat the rest of this information, the rest of this podcast with this little note. You could have like three seasons of an entire fucking podcast to talk about all of the stuff that Cargill has done. Uh, and it probably still would not be enough time to talk about everything. What season are we on? Um, of our own personal podcast. Yeah, like three, four? Uh, yeah, probably four. Um, so, yeah. And also, you'd probably be sued. I don't know. Um, I'm sure they have money. So, we're not going into that kind of depth today. Today's going to be a really high-level overview. Um, but I think we'll just kind of get into it. Sorry, I had to take a behind-the-scenes wine break just to start talking about this first part, which I feel like is one of the more more fucked up parts of this episode. But uh, we're going to jump back to 2005 and we're going to start with uh, some human rights violations. Because uh, what company has made it this big without some human rights violations? Am I right? You can't become <laughs> a um, multi-billion dollar conglomerate without cutting a few trees down. Yeah smashing a few people yeah uh along the way yeah you know it's all in the name of money it's just uh, capitalism yes <laughs> so so in 2005 the international labor rights fund files this lawsuit against cargill like nestle and archer daniels uh midland are also involved uh but they're sued in federal court and they filed on behalf of children uh, who said that they were trafficked from Mali into the Ivory Coast, and these kids were subjected to 12 to 14 hour work days with like no pay, so literally just slavery, um, little food and sleep, and physical abuse while being forced to work on these uh, cocoa bean plantations. Which wow, is, that's horrible. That's that's horrible. That's so let's so let's keep going. No. So this is going back to at least 2005. Um, back in the day. Cargill was a major buyer of cotton in Uzbekistan and the cotton industry itself just has this sort of like terrible prevalence of like 
uncompensated workers, a.k.a. I think slaves, um, and human rights abuses. And two reps from Cargill were basically like, oh, (laughs) we know there's possible child labor use for these crops and like no action was ever taken. Um, They haven't traded Uzbek cotton in a while. It's been a few years, but like, you know, what, what were they just like, oh, we won't trade anymore. Sorry. And there's like a little slap on the wrist. It's like BP spilling oil into the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> we are so sorry. There's, I rem- I'll talk about this a little bit later, but there was this uh, tweet, I think, that like BP put out that was like, what do you do to like improve your community or like do something better for the environment? And someone tweeted a reply that was like, well, I sure as fuck don't spill a ton of like oil into the ocean and kill off all the ecosystems and they make us feel so bad for not recycling the cardboard from the pizza box yeah you know what we're gonna talk about that at the end uh i go on a little bit of a soapbox um i have good thing we have more wine yeah thank god um i will say also just because this is a conspiracy podcast um doesn't mean that we don't believe in like climate change that's especially um accelerating because of human action and inaction it's because you didn't it's because i didn't recycle that time you told me to recycle the glass bottle look it just just really pisses me off when we have a recycling one and a garbage one and you and you put the recycling stuff in the garbage that's why the earth is (laughs) dying so yeah i i'll just i'll just preface that with you know the the end of the episode with with that um all right back to human rights violations we're gonna fast forward a little bit to more recent times in 2018 the good old days uh so cargill also has this plant in dayton virginia and in february the employees of the plant uh hold protests where they cite like poor health benefits there's bad working conditions and they claimed that cargill was allegedly uh firing employees who organized to create a union Oh, geez, that sounds really familiar. A bit. A little bit. Um, So nine people were arrested during the protests for trespassing on company property, which whatever. Uh, Also, just a side note, fuck union busting. I'll just add that in there. So 2019, uh, there's this TV program on a French uh, television channel called France 2. Uh, very creative. And they air this program that talks about the cocoa um, or like cocoa trade being illegally harvested from protected areas in the Ivory Coast. And child labor was widespread on the plantations that were investigated. And get this, every third worker was a child. Every third worker on this plantation was a child. And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, they also reported child trafficking from Burkina Faso and uh, Cargill initially denied buying cocoa from these plants in the protected areas. But then they were like, oh, you know what? So actually we have these uh, like tracing systems, but it hasn't reached this area yet. So we we don't actually know the origin of our cocoa. Uh, so sorry, probably us, but sorry. Uh, so we've come full circle here. Get ready for it. Who is one of Cargill's biggest customers for cocoa from the Ivory Coast? It's Nestle. It's isn't Nestle. It? It's ah, Nestle. <laughs> it's Nestle. A behind the scenes moment. Uh, Matt just went to look up what Nestle owns, and it turns out it's everything. 
I was looking to see if anything I partake in on the regular cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, it's mainly the cereal. Uh, it really pisses me off that they call their espresso espresso because that's just ignorance. It's wrong. Um, all right, so we're going to fast forward to COVID uh, because COVID is really where these giant corporations uh, uh, were shining. Uh, their true colors. So they have this meat processing plant in High River, Canada, and it was linked to over uh, 350 cases of COVID. And the United Food and Commercial Workers Canada Union local 401 president, Thomas Hesse, said, uh, it's a tragedy. We asked for days and days ago that uh, for that plant to be closed temporarily for two weeks to send all of the workers home with pay to isolate. That was when we were aware of 38 cases. That was before they set up a dedicated testing facility in the area. There were also reports of employees being denied PPE, which I feel like was really common, especially in, the, <laughs> especially in the early days of COVID. Um, and this is like not just, I, I mentioned this a little bit later in the pod, but this was not just Cargill. It was a lot of uh, plants uh, treated their employees terribly at the beginning of COVID. So as of May 3rd, 2020, 917 of the plant's 2,000 workers had tested positive, and the plant is linked to, uh, like, over 1,500 cases. And, um, oh, yeah, this is my note right here. wasn't just a Cargill problem. <laughs> there was a lot of um, employees who ran into this issue because their companies were not acting responsibly, did not care at all about employee safety, um, and a lot of employees got sick, and a lot of employees died from COVID in the meat processing plants. There's just a report that came out maybe a month ago or so that talked about the amount of meat uh, processing employees who had passed away from COVID. And you have to think like a lot of these people are like older. They might be like middle-aged. They might have a lot of health issues. Like they probably don't have the greatest health insurance. Like it's really fucking sad. So I'm going to get off that soapbox because I got a lot more coming. So Getting up to speed in 2021, uh, this year, <laughs> Cargill was named in a class action lawsuit that was filed by eight former child slaves from Mali, uh, who alleged that the company aided and abetted their enslavement on cocoa plantations in the Ivory Coast. And uh, buddy buddy with Cargill, there's also Nestle, Barry Calibut, uh, Mars, uh, Olam International, the Hershey Company, and Mandala's International, who were uh, named in this suit as well, um, but they were uh, accused of knowing, oh, sorry, knowingly engaging in forced labor, and the plaintiffs sought damages for unjust enrichment, negligent supervision, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. So, that's pretty pretty terrible. Um, that's the only overview that I have for human rights violations. I think you'll probably find a lot more, like we were just reading the news headlines and there is a, a plant, I believe in Canada, uh, that is just about to start or just recently started, um, their protests, uh, and how they're trying to break out the companies trying to break up these, these, uh, employee protests literally like happening live time. So yeah, not, not a great company, but we can move on to food contamination. All right, so food contamination. You want a real throwback? How far back are we talking? Real far back. It's before 2005. We're going back to the 70s. I was going to guess like 1971. Yeah, yeah. well, it's because you're reading the fucking show now. So, Shh. 
throwback 1971 picture it saddam hussein oh my gosh what so cargill sells like 63,000 tons of the seed that they have and the seed is treated with a methyl mercury um, based fungicide that caused a minimum of 650 deaths when it was consumed uh cargill provided the seed at the request of saddam hussein and the seed was not actually meant for people to eat it or for animals to eat it. They were just supposed to plant it. Right. But what do you do with plants besides eat or like, I mean, you don't eat trees, but I mean, you could try, you could, you could you try, sure could try. And 650 deaths is, is kind of a low number compared to uh, what Saddam was saying. His numbers were actually, yeah, like were. Yeah. And this is a minimum of 650. Right. It could right. be, I mean, it's not, thousands probably maybe like 670 Who these knows? are rookie numbers for hussein though yeah so you're probably wondering how does that happen so their grain is dyed red and it's labeled with warnings in both spanish and english and there's a skull and crossbones design on the grain and they have this because there was a previous incident of mercury-treated seed being sold as food in Iraqi markets in the 60s. I just don't know what the point of growing this kind of crop would be there for. Like, why? Why grow this if it's a food product that you can't eat? We're about to, to get into it. So this incident in 71... Um, the seed was distributed too late in the seasons for farmers to actually plant. And so these farmers take the excess to the public markets and they sell it at insanely low prices. And there were a lot of poor Iraqis who either did not understand the warnings, because remember, they're in English and Spanish, um, or they completely disregarded the warnings um, because they're poor and probably hungry. Uh, And they... uh, consume this they they give it to cattle and it causes thousands of cases of mercury poisoning and this latency period before developing symptoms and a cattle's greater tolerance of mercury poisoning uh contributes to this like impression that the surplus seed was okay to eat which is horrifying to think about all right so 2000s there's a lot um in this one and i'm also going to mention there's a lot of recall cases that are not on here. Um, these are just like the really big ones. So 2007, Cargill recalls nearly 850,000 frozen beef patties that were uh, suspected of being contaminated with E. coli. And this was from their plant in Butler, Wisconsin. And they mainly sold this at like Walmart and Sam's Club. So in 2009, a couple of years later, um, there's an organization called the Australian Quarantine and Inspection Service who temporarily suspends their Australia's license to export meat to Japan and the U.S. after E. coli was detected in their export containers. And so they lifted the suspension like a month later. Again, slap on the wrist. 2011. USDA and Cargill jointly announced this recall of 36 million pounds of ground turkey produced at their Arkansas plant because of salmonella concerns. And the recall included meat produced from February 20th to August 2nd. They announced a recall August 2011 with meat potentially from February 20th. So that shit's either 
already long digested, you're already sick, or it's in your freezer. So the CDC, here's another really troubling thing. The CDC said that the strain of salmonella found was resistant to commonly prescribed antibiotics. So quick break from this little soapbox I got here. This is the kind of shit that should worry people. Like the the strains that are resistant to antibiotics. Like this is why people should be concerned about what's being injected into the animals that you eat. I'm not vegan. Uh, I'm not vegetarian. I was vegetarian for like a decade. I've since come back to eating meat. However, our freezer is full of meat from like a local farmer. We literally bought like a quarter of a cow. We know exactly where it comes from. We know how the animals are treated. We saw pictures of the cow and their friends. (laughs) And I should note that we are actually, uh, we were vegan today. Yeah. uh, Well, we had one vegan meal that literally... That accounts for a, a majority of calories for our day, making us vegan for the day. Yeah. Um, so this is not for us to sit here and like smell our own farts about how great we are, because also meat is expensive as it is. And I understand that like these mass produced meats are much uh, cheaper and like more economical, especially for families and, and, and low income folks. Totally understand that. Um, if you have a choice, if you have a choice, uh, try to buy local, like not to get to know your local farmers and shit. I don't know. If you live in New York City, you don't have local farmers near you, but um you know, don't try try to try to do better for yourself if you can. So, um All right, getting back on track. 2011 uh ground turkey recall. One person dies, 76 are reported ill. I'm sure it's more than that who just didn't like officially trace it back and then report it. Um these uh, recalls, what's kind of hard about them is when you put these recalls out, it's not like the recalls say like, oh, this Cargill turkey, uh, you know, is being recalled. It's like 25 different kinds of ground turkey that's produced under all these different brand names that were recalled. So it's literally the same meat, just repackaged for different brands, which makes it really hard. A little bit later in 2011, uh, which is like obviously not a great year for them, they have another ground turkey recall. It's salmonella. Uh, It's like only 185,000 pounds this time. And it came from their Arkansas plant again. And it was really only like four days in August. So at least they were a little bit quicker with it. And 2012, Vermont Department of Public Health said that 10 people were sick from ground beef that was being recalled by Cargill Beef. Um, and they recalled almost 30,000 pounds of ground beef from their Pennsylvania plant because of salmonella concerns. So like, these are just the really, really large recalls that they've done. If you Google Cargill recall and look at the news headlines, there's like dozens that they've gone through even just in the last couple of years. And I think they just issued one like a few days ago. Um, so that's, that's enough for the recalls for now. Let's talk about deforestation. Uh, so first, we'll talk about soy. So in 2003, Cargill uh, completes this port for processing soya in this Amazon region of Brazil, which I feel like everybody's probably aware. Brazil uh, had a lot of uh, efforts to like re-protect the Amazon, and then uh, Bolsonaro was elected in like 2018, and uh, kind of like destroyed a lot of those efforts so a lot of people did not agree with them 
but this is 2003, so much before that. So they uh, put this this port in, and it's supposed to dramatically increase their soya production in the area. And, uh, you know, a, a, an effect of that is that they speed up the deforestation of the local rainforest. And in 2006, the federal courts in Brazil gave Cargill six months to complete an environmental assessment. Um, and so this was initially supported by job-seeking locals and uh, public opinion actually turned against the port as jobs uh, didn't really appear, which I feel like happens a lot, especially here where it's like, oh, we'll provide you these like tax dollars to open up this new warehouse in Wisconsin uh, because you say that you're going to provide 2,000 jobs and then like 50 jobs come. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Uh, so... July 2006, the federal prosecutor indicates that they're going to, um, like, shut down the port. They come pretty close to shutting it down. So, Greenpeace, which I feel like no. everybody has heard of. Um, no, those 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 folks who are on the streets. <laughs> isn't Greenpeace, um, aren't they the ones that were, like, there was, like, a show, I think, or maybe, like, a, a documentary or docu-series that was, like, Greenpeace on a boat following like whaling ships that were like illegally whaling oh well good for them for that i think that's greenpeace i'm i think that's greenpeace so anyway so they they have this campaign and they go to these like major food retailers and win agreements from companies like mcdonald's um along with some uk-based retailers like um waitrose marks and spencer to stop buying meat raised on amazonian soya uh, to like hopefully help curb some of this and uh, in return the retailers put pressure on Cargill and like some of the other companies named in this to prove that the soya was not grown on deforested land in the Amazon and in 2006 Cargill joined other soy businesses in Brazil and uh, had like a two-year moratorium on the purchase of soybeans from the deforested land yay great good for you little pat on the back so moving on from soy to cocoa. So September 13th, 2017, uh, Mighty Earth, which is that organization that we talked about at the beginning, uh, releases this report that documented findings that Cargill was purchasing cocoa grown illegally in national parks and other protected forests in the Ivory Coast. Just so feel good. So wholesome. Um, so this report accuses Cargill of endangering the forest habitats of chimps, uh, elephants, other wildlife populations by purchasing cocoa linked to deforestation. And as a result of cocoa production, seven of the 23 uh, Iv Ivorian <laughs> God. Got you. protected areas have been almost entirely converted to cocoa. Lovely. Great. Uh, they were notified of the findings of Mighty Earth's investigation and did not deny, like, any part of it. They were like, mm, yeah, that's us. You got it. <laughs> Oop. Oop. What fine are we paying? <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, what, 500000 There you go. Let's make this go away. So, uh, April 2019, um, there's more data released uh, by this company called Global Forest Watch, uh, and they provide 
data and tools for like monitoring forests, uh, they showed that the rates of tropical primary forest loss increased dramatically in 2018 in Ghana and the Ivory Coast, primarily due to cocoa farming and gold mining. Uh, so in, in 2018, again, Ghana had the highest rate of increase, which was 60% uh, in the world compared to 2017 with Ivory Coast uh, in second place at 26%. Depressing. So 2005, um, Cargill settles with the Department of Justice and Environmental Protection Agency, so EPA, um, over Clean Air Act violations, including a plan to invest over $60 million in capital investments, improvements, improvements, sorry, Mm -hmm. capital Mm -hmm. improvements for clean air controls after a joint federal and state effort, uh, which includes like Alabama, Georgia, Indiana, Illinois, (laughs) Um, Iowa, Missouri, Nebraska, some other ones. So in 2006, uh, NatureWorks, which is a subsidiary in Nebraska, settles with the state over inadequate air pollution controls. Uh, 2015, Cargill, the company itself, settles with the EPA over Clean Air Act violations in a plant in Iowa. And like there's there's just so many fucking cases like this. Um, there's a lot we covered at a really high level. I won't get into uh, their tax evasion and their land grabbing. Um, but there's just there's just so much about this company that like I feel like I was shocked to learn the extent of everything for this company because we all we all know about Nestle like fuck Nestle and I feel like over the last few years there's been a lot more awareness of exactly the impact that Nestle has on uh environments and like local ecosystems uh especially like native lands but Cargill just like out of nowhere never even heard of them before today yeah and that's because they keep it private so smart um there's stuff that we didn't really talk about. Um, like, so here, here's an example. 2002, there's this Cargill manager who's sentenced to five months in prison, which is, I mean, I've never been to prison, but I feel like five months in prison for this is nothing. So goes to prison for five months. The company is fined like a million dollars. Again, let's be real. It's like nothing to them. A million dollars. Uh, I just hope to retire with a million dollars. How about that? (laughs) That would be nice. I hope you do that too. (laughs) Shut up. Um, So this manager knowingly allowed the illegal dumping of hog waste into a tributary of the Missouri River and goes to jail for five months. And I'm going to quote some of this article from Brainerd Dispatch. Uh, In case you want to read the full news story, I'll also link this in the show notes. Over a five-day period in July 2000, uh, Cargill pork illegally dumped uh, through valves and holding ponds at its 17,000 pig farm an unspecified amount of hog waste that contaminated five miles of the, what is that, Lord? Lord? Lordy? Loot. Loot. The Lutre? Loot? In East Central Missouri, um, you ever read something like as you're going to do like pod prep and you're like, yes, I know this. And then you go to read it out loud and you're like, I've never seen this word in my life. L-O-U-T-R-E. Somebody help us. Lutri. It's fine. Lutri. Um, the government blamed the discharge unreported to the State Department of Natural Resources on the company's failure to properly run certain waste management equipment. And federal prosecutors have said that Cargill had spent 
$500,000, again, nothing, nothing, in remediation costs associated with the dumping, dumping, uh, which Cargill spokesman Mark Klein said Friday was uncharacteristic of Cargill Pork's environmental record. Looter. Fuck, fuck Cargill. <laughs> Looter. So I mentioned earlier I have a soapbox, and I also mentioned earlier that just because we're a conspiracy pod doesn't mean that we don't have one foot in the door of reality. Um, so I think what really gets me going about this shit is like climate is obviously a very real hot topic right now. It's not funny. No pun intended. Um, but there are so many brand campaigns by these large companies that talk about fighting climate or pollution or like being more eco-friendly or, you know, whatever. And like, if you notice all of the marketing fucking ties back to like pinning the responsibility on us as individuals and like. There's a lot that we as individuals could do to help our immediate surroundings, right? So if you on a walk, you could pick up some trash. Um, you can cut down on your own plastic waste by like making your own laundry detergent if that's what you want to do. Um, probably less chemicals that way too. I don't know. Uh, you know, instead of buying these like giant jugs. But that shit is not going to matter on a larger scale because companies get away with shit like this, like dumping fucking hog waste into the river and polluting five miles of it uh and then they get fined like a million dollars and the family is worth like over 200 billion i you know i've been making my own plastic <laughs> i thought you were gonna say i've been making my own hog waste oh well that's another story <laughs> no um like melting down other plastics in like a nice uh windowless room yes and Go molding on. it uh-huh. with these like gloves on yeah to make like oh bottles. you wear gloves that's that's osha friendly yeah like um surgery gloves oh you... like la- like latex latex, latex yeah. gloves don't touch me i'm sterile um yeah so there's this report that came out like fuck, how long ago was 2017 five years ago um that not showed... yet no we're getting there uh, just 100 companies in the world are responsible for 71% of global emissions. So, like, how many of these companies do shit like this? They get away with it because it's cheaper to pay the fine than to make actual changes within the company. Um, so, that's my soapbox. Fuck Cargill. Fuck these giant corporations. You should definitely try to be more eco-friendly in your day-to-day lives. But don't feel bad if you don't recycle and think that the world is on fire because of you it's not you jim from ohio i promise uh, no i mean no it's not but definitely you james from oregon though I'm trying to trying to even f- like figure out what cargill 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 <laughs> we, f- we finished this bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. it's fine it's fine i needed this what their products even are everything it's literally everything if you go to so actually i encourage everybody to do this to try to get an understanding of like just how giant this company is so go to cargill's website um go through they have a section about like here's our products like here's what we do i'm there right now and then they go through like like continent by continent uh all of the products that they have and they get down to the individual ingredient level so they even went down to the ingredient level for what they supply for baby formula and i'm gonna be honest our executive producers formula probably has ingredients from cargill in it 
because I know that we buy it from Sam's Club. They probably supply it. In the U.S., there's only like four companies that pro- that produce baby formula. And I'm sure Cargill is in all of them. I'm I'm positive, actually. I have nothing to back that up except for just like how giant the company is. So I could be talking out of my ass. Somebody might know better. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's insane. It is insane. The first time I looked into everything that Nestle touches... I was like, holy shit. It's a, it's a lot. They've got their fingers on a lot of pies. Yes, a lot of pies. No one wants to sit with them at Thanksgiving because they're nasty. So, I don't know. That's all I have. I'm really fired up. I have a couple sips left of this uh, delicious wine. And I don't know if I'm going to go play Halo or if I'm going to go to bed. We'll have to see. Um, I'm probably going to make... Um, you call them decks. <laughs> I do. I call them in the business world. Presentations. Yeah, sorry. In the business world, we call them decks. So, just kidding. I don't sniff my farts while making my my business decks. I promise. Well, that's all I really have. Um, I hope everybody has a lovely holiday week. Um, or if you're, you know, may may you all sit at the kids' table free of adult conversation about politics and everything else going on in the world may um your holidays be merry and bright that's too early uh may your 12 foot home depot skeleton (laughs) remain out i wish we had one we just put a little santa hat on him i really wish we could but it's fine and if you're going Black Friday shopping, um, don't, don't, don't. But also, um, don't forget Small Business Saturday is actually this upcoming Saturday. I'm a huge proponent of like supporting local, so please support your independent local um, businesses and shop from them as much as you can for the holidays. I know shit is like expensive everywhere right now. I get it. Uh, it's probably cheaper at Amazon, but you're probably helping some dude send his kid to like ice skating lessons by buying from his business instead of Amazon. So, God, I have a lot of soapboxes today. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so fucking annoying, but that's it. That's all. I just think it's a good message. So with that, I'm not talking anymore. I'm going to finish these two sips of wine. And uh, you have any final words? No, you you really said all the words today. I I think I said all of them yeah all right well thank you so much have have a day yeah thank you cleveland bye goodbye